Thanks for listening to the Swearing In Podcast, where you'll hear the origin stories of those who chose to serve. So ground your gear, take a seat, and listen up. The Swearing In Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Swearing In Podcast. I am your host, Marty Smith. Today, my guest is former Air Force Technical Sergeant Justin Rutherford. Justin grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, but moved to Rhode Island for his senior year in high school. He graduated in 2002 and enlisted in the Air Force. He went to basic training in 2003 with an avionics specialty. He attended tech school first to Keesler Air Force Base, Mississippi, then to Shepard Air Force Base, Texas. His first assignment was to McGuire Air Force Base, New Jersey. In 2004, Justin deployed to UAE for six months. In 2007, he retrained to one Charlie Six space operator and was sent to Vandenberg Air Force Base, California for tech school. He was then assigned to the 11th Space Warning Squadron at Schriever Air Force Base, Colorado. After a short assignment with the Space Aggressor Squadron, he was assigned back to Vandenberg Air Force Base to be an instructor. Justin exited the Air Force in 2014. Now this concludes your pre-brief, so let's get on with the interview. All right, my guest today is former Air Force Tech Sergeant Justin Rutherford. Justin, thanks for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Marty. Glad to be here. All right, so you were telling me you grew up, most of your secondary was in Omaha, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, your senior year, you moved to Rhode Island? Yep. Yeah, mom took a job out there, so we headed out that way for my last year of high school, and she's been there ever since. So you graduated uh, in what year? 2002. 2002. And what was the plans for Mr. Rutherford after graduation? So I kind of made my mind up pretty young that I was always going to join the Air Force. Um, oh, you did? Oh. Yeah. It, at first, I wanted to go to college and do the ROTC thing in commission, but that didn't work out. Um, so I you know, enlisted and went from there. Well, is it, uh, did it not work out because the, you know, the, the application process and the things that they look for to select, uh, or was it something else? Actually got in a little bit of trouble. The, uh, yes. <laughs> the, uh my, the second half of my senior year of high school and it threw a wrench. Oh, so. Now we're talking. All right. Yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> um, did you have a uh, military in your family? I did. Yeah. My dad and both his brothers, um, my dad's dad, great grandfather was a world war II vet that got a bronze star and two purple hearts from the battle of the bulge. And and then he transitioned from the army to the army air corps after that, because he wasn't hurt enough to go home or didn't have enough points either. So they, Oh yeah. Yeah. Every single body mattered back then. So he didn't, did the uh, Army Air Corps thing till the end of the war, loading aircraft. 
my god man that's pretty cool yeah. did you ever get to talk to him about it were you too young uh oh, no all the time he actually he lived till he was almost 100 so i was jeez yeah i was you? in my very early 30s when he passed but yeah he shared lots and lots of stories with me they're that's pretty remarkable that's amazing that's what you know one of the things i try to do in this podcast is um you know get these stories so your kids can hear them so everybody else can hear them mm-hmm. uh, one of my biggest regrets is my father passed before i started doing this and i just get pieces bits and pieces you know i know he did morse code uh i know he was in uh hawaii you know but mm-hmm. i don't know the full thing so yeah. um to get somebody like that your grandfather to get that story holy shit yeah yeah my, my great-grandfather that fought in world war ii had some pretty incredible oh your great-grandfather sorry yeah, yeah pretty yeah. incredible yeah. stories of the war and the you know just the, the stuff him and his buddies went through is unbelievable and then my great grandfather actually was in the Marine, or my grandfather was in the Marine Corps, oh, and wow. he went to Korea towards the tail end of that war. And every time I go home, he'll bust out his, his scrapbooks and stuff, and we'll tell. Oh, yeah. So when the, I, I have a pretty funny story about that when we're ready to talk to it, it's great. Okay. <laughs> um, so you had that in your family, mm-hmm. but you hadn't made. Does that made you to make the decision, or was it your senior year and whatever happened in your senior year to go in? No, I, like I said, I'd always wanted to be in the Air Force. I'd always had a passion for aviation and I wanted to fly. Um, Sure, sure. So the college thing didn't work out. So my plan was to enlist, get school done and try and commission and fly and go. Okay. 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 So what do you do? You graduate, walk on down to recruiter station or. Yeah, I um, graduated. I enjoyed my summer, my last summer of playing high school legion ball with all my oh, nice clubs and then um just kind of you know enjoyed my summer and had time and then my plan was that when the summer was over i would you know go to a recruiter and meps and the whole yeah. nine so we did that and then ended up not actually leaving until that following march so i mean i had been close to oh, a year wow. from high school I, I, when i came in so i enlisted in 02 and i came in early 03 and this was at the time when I came in, I think the Air Force was at its biggest that it's ever been. Uh, sure. Yeah. Right after 9-11, mm-hmm. um, the, the surge in recruits is up, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the delay was just, you know, they had to get all these kids through basic and tech school and just keep the pipeline going. So it was just I had to wait for my turn. You didn't take a delayed enlistment. It was just delayed because of the mm-hmm. sheer number of people. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, have a job when you went in? No, I uh, I went in open electronics because I got a two thousand dollars signing bonus into a a nineteen year old. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Um, with the with the the standard recruiter lies of oh you'll get to pick any career field under the anything you want. Look at this. You want you could have. And then <laughs> I remember damn. halfway through basic training, they gave me a list of jobs I can pick from, and it had two jobs. Oh and, really? And I actually called my dad crying. Because I was like, Dad, it's either telephone systems or or avionics, and I don't want to do either of these things. What yeah. do I do? He's like, Well, you got to pick one. Yeah, yeah. I would pick aircraft maintenance. Yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. what we're doing. Okay, so you had that going in on your contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, did Meps take you uh, to the station to fly out to basic? Actually, my recruiter did. Um, so growing up in Rhode Island, Meps was in downtown Boston. Yeah. Oh, geez. After I went through MEPS and all that, 
and then you know got all that squared away and then it was time to leave my recruiter actually drove me to a hotel oh, near wow. Logan airport and then i stayed the hotel the night in the hotel at logan airport and flew out to san antonio the next day that was nice of him yeah hey you didn't have to get bust or anything like that he took you that's cool yeah i mean it was the he the recruiter's name is alex chicaroni i'll never forget this dude he went he graduated from the high school i went to he owned a bar in town like wow he really took care it was uh, nice. well, the, the guys from the town that he ended up getting into the air force oh really mm. that's pretty cool um and he's was he the one who told you you could do anything you wanted um yeah <laughs> yeah know. i mean you know obviously he he, he was nice and everything yeah. but he's loyalty still alive with the air force you got he's got to make his mission he's got to make his numbers right <laughs> yep. yeah you got two grand out of it what do you you know yeah, That's not yeah. So bad. I, I used that to buy my very first dell computer actually oh wow no kidding <laughs> no kidding was that back when they had the cow on there or was that yeah, oh was that gateway. was gateway that's right yeah. gateway oh okay so you get down to san antonio what'd you mm -hmm. think did everybody prep you for going down there yeah, you know, he told me, like, they'll pick you up at the airport, you get on a bus, they're nice, everything's quiet, and you think it's going to be great, and then the second you get onto the base and it's time to get off that bus, it starts. That's right. That's right. Did you get there yeah. at night? We did, yeah. Of course. I don't know how that works. Everybody gets there at night. And I, there's certain things just, like, they get burned into your memory forever, right? And yeah, tell me one. Like a drill start or the TI gets on the bus and he's like kind of nice about it. He's like, all right, we're here. Everybody get off the bus. And everybody's kind of just sitting there looking at each other. Right. And he's like, everybody better MS these fucking seats right now. And get the fuck off my fucking bus. And like, oh shit. We're you in the just, right now. He flipped that light switch. Huh? That was good. That's good. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Right. Uh, I don't think they could. I'm trying to remember. Cause I remember the brim of that hat hitting mm -hmm. in the forehead and it's just, it was the most angering thing because you can't move. Yeah. And he's moving your head back. And I'm like, God damn. Yeah. And you can't like doing that. Flex up on right, him. Right. <laughs> it's like, he pokes me in the chest one more time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they've eliminated all that. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. Uh, I just remember that was, uh, uh, it's like, okay, I better learn to control myself. And among other things, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, you were you were obviously in pretty decent shape from playing baseball. I don't know what you did that that year long wait, but uh, uh, you were at least you could run, probably do all the physical stuff. I'm assuming, yeah, was probably they, easy for you. They still had the whole like max weight according to your height requirement. Ah, never and made it in my whole career. Me either, and I was in the best shape yeah. of my life, but I was like 15 pounds over that max weight. So yeah, right, but, right. For a couple months leading up to basic, it was just none but chicken and vegetables and cardio. And then when you're 18, you think about losing 15 pounds and it happens. Yeah. Yeah. But right. Yeah. So I showed up there and then just did all the stuff that uh, you know, throughout the course of basic, they, you know, they would because I was like borderline, they would like once a week I had to weigh in and report my weight and all that. And looking back on it, it's funny because I was I lied every single time, but they never checked. Oh, really? <laughs> So how'd basic go? Basic was fun. Um, it, that was the first time I'd ever really had structure and rules. Oh, and yeah. yeah. And um, like it, 
and I had always had a passion for the military. So I ate that shit up for the most part. Like I loved, that's cool. And I was, I was an ROTC all through high school. So I really loved like the drill and I love oh, you. There, there wasn't very many high schools that had ROTCs. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's, that's definitely helps. Yeah. And, and yeah, and it, it helped because I, there was a lot of basic, basic things I didn't have to learn, like how to stand at attention, how to march, how to salute right. all the, right. You know, I learned that shit when I was 14. Uh, right. But yeah, it was fun. They're, they're really enjoyed Warrior Week, like actually like being. Oh in, yeah, so no to speak. yeah. Oh, that was, that's the most military thing I've ever done, probably. But, um, <laughs> but you know, they're yeah, they're, they're, they're getting they, rid of that now. Are they? Yeah, they're going to do like uh, some kind of thirty-six hour deployment exercise. Oh, God. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of guys. Uh, when they go to basic part of the interesting dynamic is you know they grow up in the same town and for the first time they're out and they're amongst people all across the nation who don't act Mm -hmm. like them you know and that whole mesh of everybody coming together sometimes creates you know a lot of different kinds of friction obviously Mm -hmm. but you left where you'd been growing up your junior year so you were new guy in the new high school Mm -hmm. that whole senior year um, I would imagine that probably helped you helped you through basic a little bit more than maybe somebody else. Kind of. Yeah. It's funny. So I moved from Omaha, which was a reasonably big city to this small yeah. town in Rhode Island where oh, all these kids had grown up together since kindergarten and gone to school together. And then like to top it off, I showed up and I took the starting running backs position oh. in football. So oh. automatically half the people are like, yo, fuck this dude. Yeah. Right. And right. Like, Sorry, fat. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, and then it, it was a rocky start too, because after I was settled in and getting to know people, I just asked some people I was friendly with, like where I could get some pot, you know? And, sure. yeah. and so then, but then everybody's like, okay, where's this kid from out of town that looks like a grown man already asked, <laughs> him, is he a cop? Like, <laughs> is he a cop yeah, he's a narc he's he's a 21 jump street all over yeah, the place exactly. so. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good um so uh no no issues in basic uh do you find it when did you find out uh what your job is going to be like that oh, three quarters oh. of the way through or shit yeah probably i mean back then basic was only six weeks so it had to be probably a month right the guy comes and you got the big book to pick from and all that stuff or however that worked yeah that that print off of paper yeah right right pick one of these two and give it back (laughs) so you take you tell him avionics Mm -hmm. um did he tell you where you're gonna go after or did you have to wait for tech school to find out what your first assignment was uh that was most of i think i didn't find out till like my last month of tech school oh okay okay yeah. so where was your tech school at i went to keesler air force base in mississippi oh, two yeah. months for a class called electronics principles okay and then from there i went to shepherd air force base for the actual avionics part of the school and i was there for about six months now uh i'm not that familiar with uh avionics so mm-hmm. when you say i mean do you learn avionics on a certain airframe or do you just go for general avionics and then you do otj your airframe so at the time avionics was broken out between communications and navigations um 
electronic flight controls and electronic warfare. It was like three shout outs of the same AFSC. Okay. But then they had a separate AFSC. They had one for fighters and one for heavies and one for helicopters. And oh. so I was like a, a heavies guy. So I knew I was going to some base that had either wow. you know, 130s or 17s or, you know, refuelers. Okay. Is there, is there um, once you're trained on that, are you, are you able to move between airframes that way? Between airframe classes, yeah. Like you couldn't go like you could go if you're heavy, mm -hmm. you could go on a 17, a 135, uh, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, as long as it's in that class, right? Yeah. And okay. at least back then, from what I understand, it's changed pretty significantly. But this is also, I mean, we're talking almost 20 years. Like yeah, I right, right. If I stayed in, I'd be retiring next month. <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't be making the money you are now, right? Exactly. That's it. And what I always tell people, like everybody's time in the Air Force is temporary. It's just a matter Absolutely. Of, right. of how temporary it is. And, right. and it, it was never like like making more money wasn't the driver for me to get out. Yeah. Um it was I just knew my time was up. Like I uh like the writing was on the wall because I made tech pretty quick, made oh, it at like okay. nine. Like, okay, if I keep doing this, I'm probably gonna make one or two more at least, if not three, to chief. And by the, that point, the observations I had made and the things I had learned, I just didn't want to do things that senior NCOs did. They got, they, for all intents and purposes, got taken out of the job. They did. They were, you know, human resources managers. And that right. was the worst idea ever for me. <laughs> just the amount of time they would spend on shit, like yeah. months yeah. out of the year, just doing EPRs. Like, right. And, uh, EPRs, uh, discipline, mm -hmm. uh, just that retirement has to be a big bright bulb to pull you through some of that stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, like that stuff's important and it matters. And I'm glad that there's people that do it, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Well, that's good that you recognize that. Mm -hmm. And you didn't go like, well, let me limp along for two, three more years and see if see if I can still hack it. Because that'd have been miserable. No, and you know, I was already I think, I mean, there was other things that played into my decision, but yeah, there was lots of reasons it was just time to move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's fine. Did you learn to like avionics, even though you hated it at first? I So I I hated it because I didn't, it wasn't in my control. Oh, yeah. Especially being young, you know, I, I think you don't learn until you're a little bit older and a little more wise that, like, you just don't stress about things you can't control. Sure. Um. But no, I actually really enjoyed the work. I didn't love some of the things about the culture because, oh, really? you know, well, like 25% of the enlisted force in the Air Force is is some kind of aircraft maintainer. That's yeah. And yeah. everybody, especially now that the Space Force is, has taken away all things space, everybody in the Air Force exists to put a bomb on a target. That's why we, you know, air dominance. We are a support a support force and that's the pinnacle of our support right there so but but the maintainers would catch the brunt of that like if a mission has to happen it has to happen and then there was plenty of times where we had to get jets mission capable that were like this is a training sortie does can't this wait you know and then there's nothing like being on the flight line when it's snowing and five degrees outside and three in the morning and you can't wear gloves because you're dealing with these little tiny screws but oh you also God, pull your yeah. fingers yeah um, yeah, I mean, there there's a lot about it that sucked, but there was a lot about it that was great, man. Like I, 
I'm still friends with some guys from 20 years ago that I went through that with. Um, got a ton of cool stories and cool experiences. Yeah. A really good technical experience, which ultimately led me to some things I'm doing now. Oh, so, nice. That's cool. You know, cops and maintainers always have the tightest units. Mm-hmm. You know, they were always the the closest, the most morale. The They were always the most miserable. But that yeah. may be of one why they were so tight, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, we did some pretty stupid shit to stay warm. The uh <laughs> red trucks that we would go from plane to plane in, you know, it's a big yeah. empty backspace with just benches and then the heaters and those things were terrible. Okay. So we would actually open a window. There's windows on both sides. We'd open one window and put the exhaust from the auxiliary power unit of the aircraft into the bread truck and then let the exhaust flow through. Oh, just really? But yeah, it's like, oh, by the way, you could probably get carbon monoxide poisoning, but you know, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't think about that. No. Uh, it's a, um, so you get out to, how long was your tech school? I mean, you had to go to, you went to Keesler and then mm-hmm. to Shepard, right? Yeah. I think all told, let's see, I graduated in May of, and then November. So all told like seven months, but there was a oh, bunch yeah. of, I think, probably what six weeks and four months of training because when i got to keesler and when i got to shepherd i didn't start class immediately i was in a casual class for a while yeah yeah so i graduated basic in may and then got to my first base in november so jesus when did you find out where you were going about a month before i graduated and was on my way out the door and where did you go i went to mcguire air force base Ah. in new jersey mcguire what'd you think mm-hmm. what'd you think of mcguire so i had some preconceived notions so i didn't show up there with the best opinion of it just based on talking <laughs> to my sponsor um my sponsor hated it there and he wasn't the best nco yeah. so would, you know when you talk to this new airman you're not supposed to tell him all the horrible shit right. and why you hate your life you right. know like welcome him have a positive at it so when i showed up like, how's this gonna suck you know, but I ended up and I got there. And for the most part, McGuire was awesome. Really? Um, the mission was a standard airlift mission. They did some cool shit too. But oh, okay. Jersey was badass. And plus, I mean, we were a half hour from Philly. And when you're when you're a 21-year-old kid, oh yeah, across the bridge from Philly does not suck. Shit, are you kidding me? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've they've uh they've joint based it now, it seems. Yeah. McGuire, McGuire Dick's Lakers. Yeah, yeah, my dick hurts. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good was that what did they do that was that like that when you were there that was starting to happen as i was rotating out i remember the brack happened while yeah. i was there okay. and that's when they conceived that whole joint base idea for the dod yeah yeah and that happened while i was on my way out the door huh that's not bad you have to well you were heavy lift so you didn't really have any deployments right I deployed well, so no, there was tons of like guys deployed all the time because usually people would go with the airplane or like half of a, a maintenance squadron would pick up and go to the forward deployed base. Oh, okay. Um, I never had a deployment attached to my career field. Yeah. We we did have a transition period because when I got to McGuire, we were retiring the last of the fleet of C 141s in the Air Force. Oh wow. There was, yeah, we had a handful of them left. We were, you know, then the last one went to the boneyard. Yeah. yeah. And then the plan was 
the C-17s were on their way, but there was a three to four month period of no airplanes. Oh, and so the, the unit, so, you know, as an aircraft maintainer, if there's no airplanes, you literally have nothing to do except bitch work. So yeah. like we people like augmenting security forces and services and all that. And then yeah. our unit deployment manager came down and said, Hey, do you want to deploy? You can go do this cool thing called a third country national escort. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Um, huh? Yeah. So, and I was supposed to go to Iraq and then like a couple of weeks before I was ready to ship out, they changed it to UAE, which was great because I went from oh. going to an active combat zone and having to carry a weapon to a, you know, resort country <laughs> but still considered combat zone right which is super funny because yeah we we did the whole play military yeah. thing stayed yeah. in tents, did all the bullshit but then i also remember there was a joint nato exercise while i was there and all these dudes from hill air force base which was a fighter base came out for a tdy they were there for like three weeks oh, they're shit. staying in hotels downtown drinking wearing civilian clothes like like it's oh, like there's not a war going on and here i am like sleeping in my tent hot as fuck can't have any more than three drinks a day and these dudes are downtown oh uh, yeah life. what was uh so what'd you do when you went to uae so the did have, well, first before, off did you have to go through a whole bunch of uh classes to prep you to go to the other country just just the usual stuff like no oh, like okay. convoy class no combat class or anything yeah. just the usuals uh, but no i would i went and did third country national escort so what we would do is just wow. basically you know the 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 contracting squadron and the ce squadron would what and whatever would hire guys off the local economy to come build a building or cook the food or oh, clean wow. the bathrooms and so it was our job to pick them up every morning at the gate check them in oh they you're would, kidding they would all have their own pre-approved vehicles and like like i remember like for a while like we would just kind of get assigned duties by the section chief every morning. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes like we pick them up, we'd, we'd pick up, we called them the SWAT team. Um, they're the guys that, <laughs> that uh, cleaned all the porta potties all over the base. We would just be in a truck behind them, follow them from porta potty uh, to porta potty while they cleaned them up. And, and then we just, you were just escorts then. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and then, wow. yeah, all we had was a radio in case shit happened and we needed people <laughs> with guns to actually deal with something. But what yeah, was Air Force thing you could ever do? It, it pretty much, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, what year was that? That was September of 04 to January of 05. So what? You're you gotta be E4 by then, right? Anyway. No, I don't I was still in Urban First Class. Oh, you were? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Geez, even better. Yeah. A1C escorting uh uh third country nationals, third country nationals right? Yeah. How long did you do it for? Um, so I was supposed to be, it was supposed to be a 90 day deployment. That's when we were still on 90 day rotations. Yeah. And then, and then this is a recurring theme through everything. Like a month before I was supposed to go, they're like, oh, it's 120 days now. And then, so we're over there and then we're getting ready to leave in day one, day one, 20 shows up. Oh, our aircraft, your aircraft got diverted. You got to wait, show back up tomorrow. And so every day we showed up getting ready to leave and that lasted 12 days. So I was there for 132 days. Well, that's good for tax purposes, I suppose, right? Uh, I mean, when, not when you make eight thousand dollars a year, whatever. An A one C makes. Yeah, you're not saving a whole ton, I suppose. Right? <laughs> I try to put a good spin on it. Yeah, I mean, no, dude, it was awesome. Like, like the job wasn't glamorous. Everybody that was over there doing actual missions would always yeah. give a shit. And then also, 
for the most part, all the other people in my, because we were part of the CE squadron, civil engineering squadron. Okay. Um, all the other people that were TCN escorts were like their local fuck ups back at their home base <laughs> that people right. they would deploy to get them away for a couple months and not do so. But right, right. When you get fifty of those dudes together, you know some funny shit's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got any stories? Yeah. So, I mean, we had this one. I mean. You, there was the constant people getting in trouble for hooking up and you know oh yeah sure and then course, you know yeah. one person that made the rounds with lots of people right. um and us being tcn escorts we you know because we were deployed so you can only go off base like once a month and you had to go through the whole sign up and get approved process but it takes forever yeah some guys would pay the dudes that were really good at speaking english money to bring booze onto the base oh really so yeah we would you know <laughs> enjoy a bottle of shitty whiskey from somewhere <laughs> over in the middle east and do that and then i'm trying to think of anything that like really really sticks out okay so my tent we had this staff sergeant that lived in my tent with us and he was an asshole oh, he was just not a nice person how, but, how many were in your tent like eight uh, man tent I think it was it was an eight man tent, but one area was set up as like a living space, so there were seven of us. Oh, okay, okay. And this dude was just a dick, like for no other reason than that was his personality. And so I was also an asshole back then. <laughs> Jake may say still the same. I don't know. Um, so I would do anything I could to get under this dude's skin, but not get in trouble. Right and, up to the edge, and right. And, and I also had a pretty good knack for networking. Always have. Oh, and yeah. so I always knew somebody you needed to know. Yeah, and right, because right. we were in the CE squadron, so I remember he didn't. So we would have the air conditioner on as cold as it can go, and he would bitch that it was too cold in the tent. So in the middle of the night, he'd go turn it up to a you know, and and none of us were like we didn't like that. Yeah. So one day, I talked to a friend of mine that was an aircraft maintainer, <clears throat> and I said, "Hey." I want to weld the door to the air conditioner shut so we can't. <laughs> <clears throat> so I turned that air conditioner as cold as it'll go. And he tack welded the two corners of the door that swings open. No way. <laughs> yeah. That's clever. <clears throat> he was pissed at us, but he never figured out who it was. And then like two days later, he actually moved tents. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Little victories, right? <laughs> Dude, it's 115 degrees out here. I know. Conditioner around as cold as it goes. It's you know in those in those environments, it's amazing what one person will just latch onto. <clears throat> yeah, just be a dick about. It. And you're like, come on, man. We're all we all hate yeah. it here. You know. Yeah, and plus we were there from September to January, which was Thanksgiving, Christmas, New yeah. Year's. Like, yeah. it was so. The only other cool story I have is we actually left the desert on my 21st birthday. Oh, nice. So we landed in Shannon, Ireland, and we had a pretty significant layover at that airport. Oh, that's awesome. So oh, we weren't allowed to leave the airport, but we did get shit-faced at that airport. <laughs> that's awesome. And it was like 11 at night. The airport's mostly empty. And all of a sudden, you see this like entourage of dudes walking through. And, dude, I can't make this up. I don't know where we're looking and like the guy in the middle is familiar and then they get close. And we're like, Holy shit. That's Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. In Ireland. 
Yeah, him and his homies were just on their way somewhere. And this is when Chappelle's show was like at its height. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, so he stopped and he saw all of us and we're in uniform. So he's just like stopping bullshit and thank you for your service. You know, and he hung out for like 10 minutes and then they went on their way. No way. And then due to the length of the flight and the time change, by the time we got back into the United States, it was still the same day. It was so still your birthday. Twice on my 21st birthday. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, because we uh we landed in like Virginia or something, and then I flew commercial from Virginia to Philly to get back okay. home. Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time and a couple of my buddies picked me up from the airport and we just went straight to the bars from, oh, from the airport. That's, that's perfect. Screw yeah. jet lag, man. You're gonna go out delirious. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a little bit of sleep on the transatlantic, I I assume, right? Just to recharge yeah, as, anyway. As good as you can in economy class. You know, <laughs> uh, well, at least it was a military flight, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, that's great. How long did you stay at uh, McGuire then? I was there for a little over three years. I got there late 03 and left mid 07. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. when I went. Uh, so, middle of 07 is when I went to Vandenberg for tech training for space career field. So, what uh, convinced you to retrain? A couple of reasons. So, I. I'd always knew about the space career field and was interested in it, but I just yeah. didn't know enough to, at the time, make, you know, when I enlisted, make a stance like, I want this career field where I'm walking kind of thing, you know? Right, right. Um, absolutely. So when my returning window opened, that's what I applied for. And then what really helped my cause was I actually wasn't going to be allowed to re-enlist because remember how I told you earlier that the Air Force was like at the highest oh, man yeah. it's ever yeah. been. So at the time they had this thing called the career job reservation where you had to apply for the right to re-enlist and it was just a lottery. It had nothing to do with your record or your EPRs or your discipline or anything. It was like, okay, we only have 150 slots. We have 200 dudes, 50, we're going to show the door. Yeah. yeah. And I was one of those 50. So, really? so if I didn't retrain, I would have been forcibly not forcibly. I would I would not have been allowed to re-enlist and I would just had to go, you know, start my life. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it just worked out that I uh you know, I did did the application, passed all the physicals cuz remember back then you had to get that class 3 flight physical. That's right. Yeah. And all that worked out and the rest is history. One Charlie 6, you're off to Vandenberg then. Yeah, yeah, we get to get to Vandenberg, do the space 100 thing. Yeah. And, I'm super stoked and excited to be there and you know, get that class done with. And then I'm off to the uh, Space Base Infrared System Mission Operator course. They were still doing a simulator at that time, right? Or they had mm -hmm. they moved to the off-the-shelf stuff, the COTS thing. But they still had the big Sibbers simulator. Because I remember they were debating whether they wanted to maintain that simulator out there. So they, they did, and I know that. So that simulator never went away because I ended up being an instructor out there. Years oh, later. no way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, no, it was just it looked like it like it was it was fucking amazing. Right. Because yeah, right. the place looked like half the MCS, like identical. Yeah. And I was, was like, like, this is like, like, this is what the Air Force can do. Like, right. Right. It was badass. And, and the, you know, so went through the course. The course was awesome. Um, I thought so, too. Like, you know, I got back then there weren't these hard rules of like instructors and students can't fraternize. 
Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I got along really well with Jake and the other guys. Like there was um, Dan St. James, Nate Saint White. James. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd have some beers every once in a while. And yeah. I also got promoted while I was out there. I put staff sergeant on while I was oh, out there. Oh, perfect. Um, yeah. That was its own shit show. Um, why 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 so at the time the wing commander so they didn't have like they had an officers and enlisted club but later in the the o club would shut down and people that wanted to keep drinking would go to the e club right um well the wing commander liked the boots and he later in the evening i'm bullshitting with him sitting at the bar and i'm i'm pretty drunk and he buys me a shot you're sitting at the bar with the wing commander yeah, huh. this dude, you can Jake will verify this. This guy would bullshit with anybody in that bar. He was awesome. Oh, okay. All right. Um, he bought me a shot and I took it. And you know, like when you've had too much to drink and you your body instantly rejects it, like your mouth starts watering and like, all right, I gotta throw up and I gotta throw up now. Right. Yeah. So I took that shot, instant waterworks. I just oh, started no. walking as fast as I can, and I threw up in the front yard of the officers club while that dude was standing there making sure I was okay and laughing at me. No way. Yeah. That is, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's a story that very few people have. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. But yeah, Jake and the guys took me out to the e-club and made sure I was taken care of. Cause I was away from home and yeah. celebrating the milestone. So yeah, it was a good time, man. Did you go to uh mission or system or were they not divided at that time? Mission. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a mission mm-hmm. guy, and oh, when did I go out there? Two thousand one, I went mm-hmm. out there. So we got shared shared time on that same simulator. Oh know? yeah. So, um, I left Sibbers beginning of oh nine, I think. Mm. So, so we would have crossed paths and not known each other. So I never went to Buckley. No. I was part of the initial cadre at. Shriver that stood up the oh. MCSB, the 11 Swiss version two flying. Yeah. Kia. Okay. What the, did they have stuff in the sock by the time you got down there or was it still an empty sock? The, the actual sock itself was empty. We were doing ops out of the Lark out of the Lark. Right. And that sock right. never, didn't get fit up till years after I left. Yeah. I but, never could figure out when it really did. I know people, when they were first assigned down there, mm-hmm. there was just, that's where the lunch tables were set up. Yeah, yep. I mean, there was nothing in there. So yeah, we we they had we had we did lunch in there. We ended up spending money and had like weights and treadmills and shit in there. And <laughs> yeah. um, and then, then then eventually all that stuff got moved out so they could fit up the sock for block 10. Right, right. Uh so when you get out to Shriver, what year was that? That would have been later, um, like fall of I think like August of 07 or something like that. Because I was in oh, Vanderbilt okay. for like two months, three months, something like yeah. that. Okay. Um what'd you think? The streamer. <laughs> I I kind of had an expectation because my dad worked there. Oh uh, really? Yeah, and so did his spouse, and they still do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I knew what I was walking into, but like to me, like you know, to me, like space operations was like this this thing shrouded in secrecy, and it was like coolest fucking thing ever like you're wearing flight suits and you're flying satellites you know like i always had this attitude about it that it was like the coolest thing you could do in the air force other than like be a fighter pilot and even times i thought it was better like it was so awesome yeah yeah 
like there are certainly things about Shriver that sucked, like the yeah. giant parking lots, the weather. You have to right. walk everywhere. You can't have your phone. Um, but the yeah. jobs, the job was awesome. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you had the extra walk, right? I guess unless you parked on the east side. It was right? so the the MCSB was equidistant from the portals. It didn't matter. Well, so I guess you would know. You were yeah. there, right? Okay. <laughs> Because I was like, uh, yeah, I guess if you take the bus, but midships, you're fucked. So, yeah, and weekends. Yeah. Yeah, and so. weekends and everything mm-hmm. else. So, uh, I thought so too. When I first got into it, uh, I didn't know anything about space. And then you start learning all that stuff in 100, and it was just like, it peaks everything. You're like, whoa, I had no mm-hmm. idea all this stuff existed. And then when you get down to system specific, you can really become an expert on that system. Mm hmm. Um, and it's just you know it's reps and uh, and you see so much new stuff, especially mm-hmm. when you guys were putting up a new satellite, essentially, yeah, a new system. Yeah, it was, you know, it was revolutionary, and, and it yeah. still is in its own regard because of the orbit it's in. It has a different look angle through the atmosphere, so there were some unexpected side effects of that, which have been pretty beneficial. Uh, yeah, and I know they've they've uh, they've done a lot of off mission mining of data on that mm-hmm. thing which is really cool. Yeah. But I remember when those first pictures came back from here, I was like, whoa, look at this. Yeah. This thing is gorgeous, man. This is crazy. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, HEO was like kind of the reason they changed it from, from the word overhead non-imaging infrared to overhead persistent infrared because they're yeah. like, oh, it is imaging. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess we could say that now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. OPIR, Sibbers, or whatever it was. Used to be ON. ONIR, right, mm-hmm. right. That's right. And they changed it to OPIR. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was Shriver your only assignment before you got out? No, I had, I had two assignments at Shriver. I was in, I was at Sibbers, and then I went to the Aggressors, and then from there, oh, the yeah. schoolhouse and taught for a couple of years, and then got out at the schoolhouse. Oh, okay. So you got to go be an aggressor. Yeah. How was that? I know the culture is fantastic, right? Or they tries to be fantastic. It it was. It it, it most so remember I told you there was a recurring theme. So there was something in the universe that just didn't want me to be in the Air Force. It was like, okay, you gotta you're gonna do something bigger and better. So okay. The reason I went to the aggressors is is my time at HEO came to an end. I got an assignment to Germany, which was like the holy grail for a space operator because there's yeah. very, very few overseas positions. Right, right. Like literally like a couple days before the movers are supposed to come get my shit, they canceled the assignment. Because we were supposed to be taking over this mission that the army was performing. Oh. And then they kept it in the army. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so that didn't so then so now I'm like, well, that's that really sucks, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then I went to the aggressors. So at this point, you know, and the aggressors thing didn't happen overnight. Like, you know, all the, you know, admin wickets had to go through and everything. Yeah. yeah. So the the time between my Germany assignment being canceled and getting the aggressors was a couple months. So at this point, by the time I get to the aggressors, I had been on Schreiber for like five years, which back then, I don't know if things have changed, but it was pretty typical. Like, okay, after you've been there for four years or been somewhere for four years, they move you. Yeah. So I get to the aggressors and I'm there for like two months. 
and they never coded me to stay and so an afpc doesn't care afpc is like oh we we're we're looking for people that have been on station for a long time to non-vol so i'm in this dream job green door super gucci fun as fuck assignment two months in they're like gotcha you're going to vandenberg to teach against your will so i got non-vol to the schoolhouse to teach oh you're kidding me yeah um that, that really sucked I was did you not, even get to go out on exercises with the aggressors? I did. Yeah, man. I actually got to do some. I went to Red Flag, which was fucking kick ass. Oh, nice. And then I also, um, the best one, I'll tell this story. We went down to Pinion Canyon, Colorado. Yeah. I That's know. where the Air Force Weapons School does some training for, for mountain flying. Right. And there's a fake air base that's set up down there. And these C-130s would come in do hot drops like land on this dirt runway drop cargo and just still run and close the door and fuck off okay um and what we would do is gps denial like uh wow. area defense or point defense yeah and so we did that we're doing gps jamming all day and at the end of the exercise we drive down in our trucks with all of our gear drive onto a 130 they chain us up and they fly us back up to colorado springs oh nice and so like that was like the one day i was like holy shit i'm in the military man yeah 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 that's sweet. pretty cool and I got oh. to sit in the flight deck when we took off. So I got a oh, did you really? Actually, of like doing our takeoff roll on this dirt runway and taking yeah. off is awesome. So were the aggressors, uh, they weren't trying to play opposing force all the time, were they? Yes. Yeah, that oh, was they were. Their mission. Yep. Okay. Our job was to, was to play the bad guy using bad guy tactics that we had information about so that when we would actually go to war, yeah. our, our you know, US forces would know how to counter a threat that they would come across that the Chinese or Iranian Russians were employing. Yeah. And that got ripped away from you. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. All right. So now you're, well, I don't know. Are you pissed or are you just like, yeah, this is just testing my patience. Maybe my time in the air force is coming to a close. Um, so, the reason I so I had the option to deny the assignment and get out of the Air Force. Oh, yeah. And that's actually what I was gonna do. Oh, you were. But then I got talked out of that. Okay. Um, so I ended up going to California and did my two years. And when it came time, um, I that's when I was like, okay, I, I want a little bit of control of my life back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and then also what we talked about, like, okay, promotions are on the horizon at some point i don't know if i want to do these things it's time so a combination of a lot of those things that had happened they didn't put a bad taste in my mouth or anything like that it was just like okay it's time to move on you know I've, right I've, I've done my thing i've served my country i've had an amazing time i've had the shitty time i've right. made lifelong friendships and connections and got some skills and did some really badass and admirable shit. yeah let's see what the next phase of life is about I always try to ask two questions, right? Um, and the first one's always fun if you can remember one. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, what's the biggest ass chewing you ever got? <laughs> it was an airman at McGuire Air Force Base in Jersey, and after work one day, me and a bunch of my buds went out drinking, which right. evolved into us going to a strip club. Okay which involved in us staying out till like four in the morning. <laughs> and this is where 
you know, young 21 year old airmen are stupid. We're in our uniforms the whole time. You're kidding. Oh my God. <laughs> Did that help with the girls? I don't. Well, so anyway. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So anyway, I wake up on a couch in a house that I have no idea where I'm at. Really? Um, and I had supposed to have been at work for like an hour and a half already. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So luckily, I'm already in my uniform. <laughs> yeah right right I'll just throw my boots and my jacket on and you know have short hair so you don't got to worry about that and i had a little bit of stubble but i show up and i'm like an hour and a half late and my flight chief is like in the middle of the office just like waiting for me to walk in oh, no. and, and his name was sherman gregory he was this little five foot two dude from the streets of detroit who oh, took shit. and at this point he'd already been in the air force for like 30 years so he was old old school Right, you know, like this dude, like put Crown Royal in his coffee, and it was like, no good care, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, quick side story about him. When I first got to know him, when I got to the base, he would always like meet the airmen. Okay. And he was like, "Do you smoke pot?" I was like, "No." And he's like, "Do you do acid?" And I'm like, "No." And he goes, "Well, we used to be able to do that, but you're not allowed to anymore. So don't fucking do that." <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, that's a memorable welcome speech. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm like an hour and a half late, just look like shit, probably smell like booze. Yeah. And he puts me into his office and puts me at attention and just gives me the business for like 45 minutes. Whoa. Um, that's in, that's some endurance, man. But, but I'll tell you what, man, that literally kind of changed my trajectory. Did it really? Because I didn't get in trouble. They weren't yeah. about that paperwork life. They weren't about like, let's fix this problem. You know, yeah, yeah. And he told me, he's like, the only thing that you have to do is be good at your job. It is your job to be the best technician you can be. It's your job to know everything it is to know about your job. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it was about how he said it or why he said it, but dude, that sunk in and I took it to heart and I got good at my job. So, like, you know, I, I made an awful decision, paid the price for it, but it worked out in the long run. You know? Well, I mean, there there could have been more awful decisions from that night, yeah. but uh, yeah, because uh, if I wasn't held accountable, yeah. I probably would have done something else equally as stupid later down the road. Yeah, that's uh, you're not the first one to say that an ass chewing kind of sets you straight. You mm -hmm. um, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Uh, and then the second question is, what's your what's your proudest moment? My, let me give you. Can I give you two examples? Because I want to do Absolutely, a proud individually and a proudest moment as a team. Oh, nice, good, good. Um, so I would say individually, my proudest moment was being awarded a medal for saving somebody's life. Whoa, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Can you can can I know the details of that? Yeah. Or? So when I was with the aggressors, we were TDY to Hawaii. And um, a coworker of mine got pulled away in a rip current while we were oh. in the water. And he also got stung by a jellyfish. Oh, jeez. Um, and I just happened to be out there with him. And I went and got him and was able to get him back to shore. And just barely. That's the only time in my life, like, that I thought I was going to die. I made in, – I'm in the middle of all that. Yeah. I was like, all right, you're not going to make it. So that thought hit you. It's like yeah. we yeah. both it's made up. One of those things where 
like you you're you, just pure physiology takes over yeah it, like you're exhausted you don't think you're gonna make it and somehow you do but like it the craziest thing is how I made my peace with it. Like, okay, this is when you die. Huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got a medal for that. And, and that, and, and I never talked about it because partly just out of respect for the dude that almost died. Right. Like oh, he's gosh. ashamed, he's scared. He's, you know, like, like he was never kind of the same guy after that. And at oh, least in my, really? yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it's weird. I read a lot about it, right? It's like, cause people go through like this survivor's guilt and they go through this feeling of like, okay, now I like owe this person that saved my life something. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And that's obviously not the case. That dude doesn't owe me shit. He got yeah. to go home to his wife and kids the next day. And that's all that matters. The metal didn't matter. Right. What mattered is he didn't die. Right. Um, but yeah, the, getting that medal was probably the, the coolest thing that happened because that's the one medal that mattered. You know, you always get medals when you PCS just for doing your job. Right. You know, yeah. But when you earn a medal, like, and especially the reason says for an act of courage versus meritorious service or whatever, like night and day, yeah, yes. night and day. That is yeah. hell. Yeah. My hat's off to you for doing that. Thanks. And especially you're fighting. I mean, I've swum and I've been in Hawaii. I've, I've mm-hmm. swum against that current. It's no joke. Yeah. You're like, I'm not making any progress. I'm yeah. not getting any close. Literally treading water. But you're... <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> right. But you had somebody. Yeah. Holy cow, man. Yeah. And then, um, but then, I, and I have a ton of individual accomplishments. I've done some. I've been pretty fortunate to do some really badass shit in my time in the Air Force. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could do a whole podcast just on cool shit that I've gotten to do. Well, we can but, do that too. But I think that one that really stands out and I think it's more important to highlight why it's like so during a like an operational readiness inspection or some other three-letter name for an inspection yeah they put my crew through an eval oh um and we won like a professional team for the whole wing you know and it was the whole thing like you know, you're doing day in the life ops, you're dealing with anomalies, you're processing right. launches, there's a fucking trash can on fire, you know, and, right. and like, we killed it. We right. fucking killed it. And, and I mean, I've been part of the Sivers community and space operations for maybe 15 years this year. Wow. Wait, was nice. No, 16. Um, okay. and, and, and the reason I still work in the communities of contractors because i'm passionate about it i care about it yeah. yeah um and and that crew of people and that squadron of people in the time that i was there were incredibly passionate and talented and just good at what we did right and, right. and I, i'm not saying that the crews that are doing the job right now aren't yeah. um, but it, that that was just a really special time for me like that was like the catalyst of everything in my life that i've Wow. Like all the success I'm enjoying and like, like it's because of that. So like, that was really cool that we put in all this work and all this training and all this time and we cared and like, we were actually good at our jobs and we weren't just going through the motions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, so that one's pretty, that one will always be like pretty significant to me was getting that little award. When you get on a crew that your crewmates are all leading forward. You know, mm-hmm. and they know what uh, to. They know what to expect out of you. 
they know what to bring to the table mm-hmm. and it just flows like it's like it's supposed to in the manual yeah. right that's fun yeah, like, we would get faced with like an anomaly or a launch and like yeah time, for me when that when something like that would happen like time would slow down oh for, that's good yeah and i could just think through the problem and do what i was trained to do or figure out something to you know to work the issue right right um, and that's why I've always kind of stayed, especially with like, you know, Sivers and Missile Warning and OPIR is like, this is the one thing that in my life that has just kind of come naturally to me. Yeah. And so yeah. I wanted to take advantage of that because sure. um, there's plenty of stuff that I'm good at, but I had to work at that. And and there's plenty of stuff I'm not good at that I'm never going to be good at. <laughs> right. um, but, but, but going in with just an, a fundamental like i can do this yeah like it, it, and i'm by no means a master like there are dudes that i know that like i wish i was half as smart as them on this oh, stuff yeah. of course you know? but, of course but i'm still passionate about it and interested in it so i still actively learn and try and get better former tech sergeant justin rutherford it's been a honor to get your story uh it's been a blast to hear you tell it Appreciate that, Mari. Thanks for the time and for having me on. It's uh, It's been a pretty cool experience, and thanks for letting me be able to tell my story, and thank you. Anytime. Thanks, Justin. On behalf of Tech Sergeant Rutherford, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please leave a like and a comment and share the podcast with someone else. And as always, make sure to download the next episode for more Service Origin Stories. So until next time, our tanks, who? Fault!